Welcome to the Career Matters Podcast. This is Nisar Ahmad, your host, and this is episode 70. And this episode is part of the continuing A Day in the Life of series. And each of these episodes, I conduct interviews with individuals from a particular profession, particular career. For today's episode, I'm speaking with someone who is a content strategist. Her name is Kimoy Matthews. Uh, Kimoy will be sharing her experience how she got started in this particular profession, a little bit of detail of what a content strategist does, where she stands today, some of the challenges, some of the benefits of this job, and also advice for someone who wants to get started. Hi, Kimoy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, One of the first questions I always ask my guests, and this is a fun question because uh, I'm sort of a geography buff. I love to learn about places. Um, Where are you calling from? I am calling from right outside of Washington, D.C. in Hyattsville, Maryland. Okay. Uh, For the benefit of the listeners and and for those of us who have not been there, uh, could you share with us uh, like a fun fact or something interesting about uh, Hyattsville? (laughs) Oh, boy. I don't really know because I just moved here a few months ago. (laughs) Um, But... Hyattsville, the metro is right here and the mall is right here. So it's a very convenient place to live. That's about a fun, that's pretty fun if you ask me. It's very convenient. Actually good because you just moved in. So you're, so, you're, new, you're an outsider, you're a newbie into, into the city. So it's always good. You probably have more perspective than someone who's been born there or lived there for a long time. Exactly. Yeah. And also, you did mention before we started that it is close to Washington, D.C. Yes. And how far, how far is it from Washington, D.C.? Two metro stops. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, this is, uh, we're talking about suburbia here then. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say so. It doesn't have a suburbia feel. It still has a city vibe to it, but definitely not as busy as, you know, downtown Washington, D.C., All right, then. So the next question, I would love to learn a little bit more about yourself. So if you can uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in this profession. Okay. Um, Well, I would say it's been an interesting journey because I was born and raised on the island of St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And growing up, I really enjoyed math. Now, there's a difference between enjoying math and being really good at math. I don't think I was really good, but I liked it anyway. And I think it had a lot to do with my uh, teacher at the time. And I think she saw something in me. Uh, This is in high school. And she told me that I should study engineering. So being the impressionable teenager (laughs) at that point, I was like, okay, I'll study engineering. And I went to Michigan Tech University, which is a very small university all the way up north, you know, and it's the very first time I ever saw snow in my life was in uh, Michigan at Michigan Tech University. Uh, So I stayed there for four and a half years where I got my electrical engineering degree. 
And over that time, I don't know where this idea came from, um, but I thought it would be really cool to work for a defense company. I thought that I could be one of the engineers that would work on one of those unmanned aerial vehicles. So it's the, the airplanes that fly without a pilot inside. I thought that was so cool. So that was like my dream job. And strange enough, <laughs> I actually got hired by Northrop Grumman. So that is how I ended up in the DC area. And when I got here, I was not impressed. <laughs> so I was stuck in what they call a skiff, which is a very uh, secure lab type environment. It was a very small area in the remote parts of Northern Virginia, actually. And I just did not enjoy it. I didn't really think this is what, what I wanted to do looked like. So I started searching for other opportunities and you know, I was still fresh out of college, not really sure what I wanted to do. So I ended up with uh, working at one of the biggest consulting firms, Accenture. And there I explored different fields um, in security and being a business consultant, a business analyst. So my career just took a lot of lefts and rights and <laughs> turns and flips and everything. So I was pretty much exploring different areas. And one of the things that I realized was my personality was a lot different from a lot of the engineers I worked with. And I also realized that I like to break the complex things I was working on. I like to break them down and I like to document them because it made my life easier and it made my team's life easier. So I did that no matter what position I was working in. And um, I would say around 2010 or so, I was flipping through. They have these booklets that they send in the county that shows different courses and classes fun things that you can do in the county. And I was looking up writing courses because I wanted more of a creative outlet. So I was like, oh, maybe I will take a creative writing class. But right below that, there was a technical writing class. And the description really caught my attention because it was how you could actually become a technical writer. I was like, oh, people actually do this for work? So I said, all right, I'll sign up for it and see what it's about. So when I signed up, I realized that what she was teaching was exactly what I was doing in my previous jobs, but I didn't have the, role, the job title of a technical writer. So that was how I got into um, the area, the, the career path of writing for a living. So that was the start in 2011. That's very interesting because one of the things I find I, in this similar interviews I've done with other professionals, it's it's not something they decided to do out of school. It was more of a nonlinear career path, and it's start of sort of becoming the norm nowadays. The everyone starts off somewhere, uh, they go through this journey, then they find something that connects their skills with something that they enjoy doing. So. Uh, I'm, I'm, I found that uh, when you mentioned your story, that resonated here as well. Yes, absolutely. And a part of me feels like that starting college at the age of 17 is too early because you don't know. There are so many professions, so many areas to explore 
So you get stuck in this one path for four years or even longer and you come out and there's like a whole world to explore. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's, you just never know where it will take you. And I think it's majority of people do not work in the field that they study in college. So yeah, pretty norm now. All right. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing your journey. The next, uh, I would love to get to know the profession a little bit more. Um, okay. Could you tell us uh, what exactly is a content strategist do uh, with a little bit on, on a very high level, then we can get into the more details. So if someone stopped you and asked, Hey, Kimar, what do you do? What is a content strategist? How would you des- describe that? Content strategy is all about how do you communicate to the user about a particular product or um, about a particular feature of a product. So it is your role to figure out who the user is, what do they need help with, and how do you present that information to the user. So to me, that is what the overarching goal of a content strategist is. But it depends on what the company needs. They could need you to create content. You could organize content, write content for website applications, or you could write it for manuals and product specifications. So um, the type of deliverable you produce varies um, depending on what the company needs. But overall, your goal is to basically communicate how a particular product or product feature works. Hmm. So um, the, when you hear content marketing, you're thinking about trying, trying to build thought leadership and mm-hmm. blogging and trying to attract audience to your site so they can potentially be interested in what you sell. What a content strategist does is you take an existing product or the product that has just been released and you're, you're communicating or, uh, or clarifying what the product does to the end user. Is that correct? That is 100% correct. And I think a lot of people, because the popularity of social media is, you know, it's really hot today. A lot of people think that because they write content for social media or for marketing purposes, that is the same as being a content strategist. It is absolutely not the same. The tone and voice that you use in marketing is not the same in educating someone about how to do something. It's a little bit more instructional. It's more task oriented. Instead of trying to convince someone to like download an app or instead of trying to convince someone to use your website, it's it's a completely different way of speaking to the user. Interesting. So the key underlying uh, message here is it's educational, right? Absolutely, yes. Yes. Perfect. So the next question I have is, uh, what does a day-to-day look like uh, for a content strategist? Okay. I actually just did a blog post about this, like the life of a content strategist when I worked at Google. (laughs) So um, essentially, when I worked at Google, I was working on the Google AdWords platform, which is a very popular online advertising platform. Uh, platform. All the big companies, small companies use it to generate ads and grow their business. So it's a very robust and complex product, actually. It's not as easy as everyone believes it is because there are so many uh, customizable and complicated like strategies that you can use. And there are a lot of features behind 
uh, how to use Google AdWords. So when I worked there, I would essentially work with product designers, product managers, UX user experience designers, marketers, and let's see, engineers as well. And there would be a particular product feature that is being launched or updated. So as my role, I need to learn about how that product feature works. So I would get the requirements from the product manager and learn how does it work? What, what does it do? What are the benefits? What does the user need to know? What are the instructions I need to give them? Um, once that happens, I will get the mock-ups from a user experience designer. So I get to see what it visually looks like. I would work on every single text that shows up on the interface. So anything that when a person opens up Google AdWords and they see the text that's on the screen, all the texts, the text for the buttons, the text for the error messages, the text for the tabs, the text for the radio buttons, all the text that you see on the interface, I would review that for the new product feature or if we're making any updates. Then I would have to do an audit basically of our existing content. So if, if it's a new feature, obviously I would have to create content from scratch and explain this is a new feature, this is what you can do, this is how you use it. But if we have the existing features, then I would have to do an audit of what we have and make any updates to it. You know, that could, that could take a, quite a while depending on how popular the product feature is. Um, so if I, once I make those updates, I go through a very thorough review process. So the product manager gets to review the content, legal reviews the content, other, you know, team members get their input and figure out, okay, is this what we want to say? Is this helpful to the user, et cetera? Then, because Google is such a huge company, <laughs> you have to make sure it gets translated to 44 different languages. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, so once it goes through that process, you have to hope and pray that the content you wrote makes sense when it's translated to 40, you know, over 40 different languages. And then once we get that back, uh, we know what the launch date is, then put everything, put all of the content in the content management system. And whenever it's ready to go live, we hit the publish button. So that is basically the end-to-end -end process. And that's just for one feature. But when I worked at Google, I was responsible for like 14 different features. So imagine going through this different phases at any given day. I'm, I'm managing like four different features that are being launched or being designed or, you know, so they're all in different phases. Nothing is ever linear. <laughs> so that is what my day-to-day -day looked like. You mentioned something about the translation uh, because that is also content. Is Like, I'm just curious, how, the, how did that happen? Was there a software? Was there, um, was that something Google just did it with the help of other translators? I'm just curious. This is like a non- Related question, but it piqued my curiosity. Yes. So, yeah, this was the first company that I actually worked for that my content had to be translated. So they have a team of translators that help with the translations. 
to me, to be honest, I'll say that was probably the most challenging part of the job because you think, you know, I feel pretty confident that I'm explaining things as simply as I can, but maybe when it gets translated into, you know, French or something, it doesn't make sense to them. Like I need to be a little bit more clear. So it it was... It's a lot. It's a it's an interesting process because you think that you're explaining things very well, but you have to think about how do I say things as simply as plainly as possible so that someone else in another country can understand what I'm saying. <laughs> and it's not easy to think like that because you don't know if you're not fluent. I'm only fluent in Spanish. I'm not fluent in any other language, so I don't know how that works. So. Yeah. So it's a team. And once I submit my content to them, they do the translations. But of course, I can't review it. Right. So I have to trust that it's it's correct. Um, and every now and again, you would get a bug that says, hey, we need to, you know, change the way this is structured because it doesn't translate in another language. So that's what that is like. Okay. So the next question of all the things that you have done in in the in this role, what do you enjoy most? I enjoy the entire process. Everything, every day is different, and I enjoy learning about how things work behind the scenes because you know we see. Well, it depends on who you are, but we see Google every day. We, if you work in business, you know what Google ads are. Um, so it's really cool to see how it works behind the scenes. And I love that when I make a change to the text on a screen, that millions of people get to see it. So if I say the confirmation buttons should say, yes, continue or something like that, like a lot of people are going to see that and it makes their life easier, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I enjoy the challenge of taking something that's complex and make it easy for someone next door to understand you know it for me it makes things more accessible because I don't think technology should be um, intimidating like we're doing amazing things with technology things are evolving so much but I don't want it to be where there's only an elite group of people that know that knows what it does or how it works. I think our role as a content strategist or a technical writer, being able to break those things down is really, really important because confused users, um, people who don't understand things, they don't use it. You know, you want to be able to have a good experience with any product you come in contact with. So think about the websites that you use when you book a flight, the website that you use when you when you deposit a check or you check your bank account, um, all the things that you use online, you want it to be easy. You want it to be seamless. You don't want to be confused or frustrated because then you will just close it down and no company wants that. So I think it's knowing that you have a critical role in how a company connects with the user, with its users and customers. I, I like that part. I like having an impact. Okay, so now here's a uh, question on the flip side. I'm sure every every job has some of cha- some challenges involved. So, what are some of the challenges one will face in this particular job? In every job I've had, it's always fast paced. So that could be a challenge if 
um, especially if the company doesn't have a particular way of managing their products uh, or managing their product launches. So you have, I think you have to be really organized <laughs> as part uh, when you're doing this sort of stuff because there's so much input from different parties. So you have a product manager saying they want this feature. You have an engineer that's saying, hey, we should talk about this feature. You have a marketer who's saying we should say this. So there's a lot of input. There's a lot of people to manage for your content. And depending on the company, there's always changes. There's always something that's being updated. So it's a challenge to stay on top of things, to keep things organized, as well as manage expectations. Because people will be like, yeah, we're launching this next week. Can you have a new article up? And it's like, ah, not really. <laughs> you know, so um, it's, it's just, I would say, the um, organization of it all. And like I mentioned before with the translations, um, I mean, this is only unique to companies that actually translate um, in other languages. So that to me is... Uh, quite a bit of a challenge because like I said, you don't know if you talk about code, I mean, code is supposed to be universal. So it's like, you don't translate it, but the code word might be in English. So you have to be, you have to be aware of that. Okay. If there's a code piece that says something in English, I don't know, let's say a green button or whatever, you don't translate it in other languages, but there are other things that you do translate. <laughs> so it's, it's a challenge. Um, yeah, so I would say those are the two main challenges. Okay, thanks for sharing that because uh, what I'm hearing that is it could be fast paced. Um, there are deadlines you need to meet and that, that could put a little bit of pressure or stress on yourself. Yes, absolutely. And you want, you want to get things out, but you have to follow the process. Um, and that's the key thing. Um, maybe startup companies might not have a process, you know, especially if they don't have a big audience, like all hands on deck to get things, you know, get the content published. So I think going in as a content strategist, it's important to establish a process of how content will get created edited, reviewed, and published. You know, you have to go through that process to make it not only easier for you, but to set the expectations that this is what we have to go through before it goes live on the website or goes on the app or whatever the case may be. So, Okay, sounds good. So after listening to this, if someone has decided to become a content strategist, what, what advice would you give them? Like how does one go about becoming one? Okay, so I have a few exercises on my website, but my biggest uh, advice, and this is for whether you want to become a content strategist or a developer, you have to do the work that you want to do before you get the work. (laughs) So if you're interested in being a content strategist, then create um, some content for a product that you like. You know, you don't have to get hired or get permission from them. If there's something, if you like, I don't know, let's say if you like uh, the way that your experience is with American Airlines website, right? And there is something that you think could be explained better. Just go ahead and write the content. Uh, Talk about who the user is and 
what the experience should be like, what the end result should be like, okay? Do the work that you're interested in doing before you actually get hired, and that will build a portfolio. So once you have a portfolio, it makes it easier for recruiters and hiring managers to say, oh, this person is really interested in doing this type of work. Look at what they have done. You know, it shows that you're taking initiative and have some interest. So that would be my biggest thing is to don't just say you want to be a content strategist, but show that you want to become a content strategist. So there was a quote in there. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you intended to make it a quote, but I love that. And I, I think it's worth repeating. Uh, before you do the work, uh, before you get the job. Can you repeat? I think you said it better. Yes. Yeah. That's what I said. Do the work before you get the work. <laughs> so do the work before you get the job. That is key because. Absolutely. Because this is going to tie into my next question because I'm not sure, um, correct me if I'm wrong, there is a course or a degree for content strategy. This is something that you learn or cre- adapt the skill after school. Um, am, I, am I right or am I wrong on that? So kind of, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there are a lot of uh, nano degrees kind of thing that's popping up. There are a lot of online programs that are popping up. And I have a technical writing course. So technical writing covers content strategy, um, technical writing, and other forms of tech writing. So it's basically the core skills you need to develop. So I do have a course on that. Um, You could get a degree in technical writing, I think, but it's not very popular. Um, So... Yeah, it's one of those fields where I say it's, it's super important to practice. I, I give a lot of prompts on my website. So I do things like, let's take a look at how Google Pay and Apple Pay, how do they talk to their users differently? How, what is important to their users? And I give you exercises on how to do that. So um, yeah, it's one of those skills because it's so new and growing, like the field, the part where I mentioned that you get to write the text on you, on the screens, on the buttons, on the tabs, like that alone has grown into its own career path. So now there are user experience writers, right? So all they do is write stuff that you see on the interface of an app or a website. So the field is growing so much. So there's not really a, a degree that you can get in it. I mean, if you have a I guess a English degree or journalism degree that could help you. But look, I didn't even have one of those degrees. I was in engineering. So it's something that you practice and develop a portfolio towards uh, before you get, get the actual job. Okay. So let's say they've taken your advice. They've got started. They've, uh, they started working I'm just curious, uh, what does an ideal career path look like? Where, does, where do you think this career could take them in the future? Wow. Um, so I would, like I mentioned, I would say it's definitely growing into user interface copy because a lot of companies are creating more mobile apps. But even the website apps, things that you use on the computer, because they're so complicated, making that user experience um, as seamless and uh, engaging as as possible. I think user interface copy is really, really trending right now. So 
Um, you see things like uh, Facebook has like messenger bots where they're using part of machine learning and artificial intelligence to talk to users because it's more engaging. Um, so it, it could take you uh, laterally as well. You could be working on doing the same kind of work for a whole different industry, right? Because the core of it all is knowing how to talk to users, but you could do that for a company in healthcare, a company in tech, a company in uh, fashion. Like it doesn't matter the industry. Your core skills are going to be needed and there's so many opportunities. So you could literally use your skills as a content strategist, a UX writer, a technical writer, and apply it to so many different industries. So right now, I actually just started working for a client in the defense industry. <laughs> so um, your skills could go across many different industries, or it could evolve into more user experience, user research, um, go into the field of artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. I mean, the opportunities are endless because at the end of the day, we have to read stuff to understand stuff. <laughs> so yeah, you, you have to be able to write and explain things to people. Okay. Uh, yeah, thanks for covering that. Um, the next question, I, I, we are coming towards the end of the interview here. So after listening to this, they are curious and they want to learn more even as a potential career, uh, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Okay, I have a blog. It's Keeping Up With Kimoy. <laughs> Keeping Up With Kimoy.com. Kimoy is spelled K I M M O Y. And I have, um, like I said, some exercises on the, on the blog that you can check out. But I also have two free courses. So one is just a plain email text, and I talk about the benefits of this career path and what it's like. And I also have a video series that walks you through how to actually get the job. So I show you that you need to develop a portfolio, some things you should do to your LinkedIn profile, your resume, et cetera. So I give you tips on how to actually get these kinds of jobs. So I have some good resources on that. Awesome. I'll make sure to share those in the show notes when, when the episode is released. Um, before we wrap up, Kimoy, any last words, any final piece of advice that you'd love to give the audience? Um, whatever career path you're interested in, share it with the world. Um, I think we are on social media all the time and we share funny videos. We share um, things that's happening in the news, but a lot of us tend to not talk about our work or our career aspirations. So if there's something that you're interested in doing for your career, definitely talk about it. Share articles that you find interesting and make comments about it. Um, I think recruiters and hiring managers of companies that are, you know, looking to fill their employees employee roles, they want to see people who are interested in these career paths because technology is growing so fast, they can't really rely on your degree alone. So sh show your passion, show that you're interested, um, share your thoughts, your ideas about the career that you're interested in, and that will help you in the long run. 
That's an amazing piece of advice. And that's a great way to wrap up, uh, Kimo. Thanks for being a guest. Uh, I can sense the passion in what you do. And first of all, thank you for sharing your passion with the rest of the world as well. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Career Medis podcast. As mentioned during the interview, I will be writing a brief uh, summary, and you can see this in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, feel free to post a comment or review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this episode among your uh, network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmad, your host for the Career Medis podcast. Thank you.